0: Hey there, Internet. I can't know for sure, but I'm going to go ahead and guess that you woke up this morning thinking, hey, if only there was a place I could hear a bunch of cool people talk about video games. Well, then we've got a show for you. From developer interviews to casual conversation, from exciting indie titles to fresh takes on your favorite games, this is the Gamers with Glasses Podcast.
1: Like you just heard contributing editor Nate Schmidt say, this is the Gamers with Glasses show. And this week we are joined by two guests to discuss the Queer Games Bundle, amongst other things, including Taylor McHugh, who is known for a wide variety of things, but perhaps most recently known as the developer of the game He Fucked the Girl Out of Me, and Caroline Delbert, who is together with Taylor and others, organizer of the Queer Games Bundle that is currently available on Itch.io and full of all kinds, hundreds in fact, of all kinds of interesting, intriguing, spectacular games. I'm Don Everhart and I guess I'm hosting this episode. Quick, quick hellos from all of you. Taylor? Hi. Caroline? Hi. And Nate. Hello there, it's me again. Great, great job, everyone! Hit their cue, and we are out. Okay, no, uh, wait, hold on. Oh, we're done. <laughs> <Hold> on. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, everybody. To do. <laughs> <laughs> Briefly, for some some listeners, I know that very often the Gamers with Glasses show is a general listening sort of podcast. This episode, if you haven't already surmised this. We will be discussing adult, explicit, potentially traumatic uh, material, depending on the game, depending on the subject matter. Um, and so please, uh, listen appropriately. First up, I would love to hear a few details about uh, the way that the bundle came together this year, and uh, the way that you're thinking about the bundle as situated inside of that whole ecosystem of of games and culture and society and economics. You know, small question. Oh, God. (laughs)
2: Taylor, you can do it. Yeah, that's just a bit much. That's like two questions rolled into one. It's like a Katamari question.
0: (laughs) It's at least two questions.
2: Yeah, that's two questions. Okay. Um,
3: um, my question is more of a comment. Um...
1: <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> Please comment.
2: um, basically, to sum it up, have you ever seen like 10 million GoFundMe's like, I'm queer and I'm starving, or I'm queer and something bad's happening, or something like that? Yes.
0: Man. Yeah. Yeah.
2: They like really, really make me upset seeing how poverty hurts people and I want to do shit to stop it and so a lot of queer artists are in like really bad poverty and also the way that like a lot of gaming and market spaces work is it's a zero-sum game where some people win but everybody else gets kind of ignored and so the original intention of the bundle was to redistribute all of that like bad luck, and turn, everything from competition to everybody's just working together to sell something. Um, I can't say it's like the perfect solution, because we're all working under capitalism. But it does get people money to lessen the brutality of poverty. And there's a certain beauty in the fact that we can gather together hundreds of people and trust them with a large amount of money and 99% of them are completely honest about it on the internet without ever using their real name. And I wanna say that that's actually kind of beautiful, but um, that's the basic broad thing is a bunch of queer artists get together, collaboratively sell stuff. And originally it was designed that it was random who would be displayed but eventually that switched to being based on popularity. The reason why it was random is if you've seen like the number one best selling book on Amazon and like looked at that, the difference between best selling book number one and best selling book number 1000 is best selling book number 1000 probably isn't making enough to live off of, best selling book number one is probably buying mansions. And so We're trying to overcome that tendency of people to not buy familiar things, not even look at this stuff. Because why do this? Why play a small queer game that like 10 people know about when you could play Mario? But by merging them together, we trigger people's hoarding instincts. And I'll be honest, 90% of these games are not going to get played by the people who are buying the bundle, just like most Steam games never actually get played but the money itself is real and people's lives are improved. Is that a good answer?
0: Yeah, that's really, really awesome. Cause, uh, I was, I was assured before we started recording that I will never be able to get through playing all of these games. Well, at least it will take me much longer than a weekend. It will take me significantly longer. Yes. It'll take me much longer than a weekend. If I'm going to play all of these games from beginning to, to end, um, but I love that idea of tapping into uh, people's uh, people's hoarding instincts to get them to. I don't know. I I, I think that um, that's just a really profound point that most people who play a lot of games have what I believe Don has referred to in the past as the backlog. Like have have games that we haven't opened up or started and that's something that I think is really exciting about uh, the bundle that you've put together is that there's so many uh, points of entry. There's so many cool places to to get started. Um, I'm personally really excited because I played uh, Extreme Meat Punks forever and I wrote about it for the site um, a little bit ago and I saw that uh, there's another game from that developer on there and I'm really excited to check that out.
3: You're a wizard? It looks so cute. I haven't had a chance to play your wizard yet either.
0: Yes. Yes. (laughs) I'm, I'm really excited to, to look, and I love, I love wizards and stuff as well. Uh, just as a, as a side note, I'm a, I'm a big, I'm a big wizard guy. So. It helps um, that you
1: look like one. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is. Put us back just a little bit. Nate, you were talking about all kinds of different points of entry into all of the games in the bundle. And um, also the, the the quantity of that. There's two things about that, which I want to ask Caroline and Taylor about. One is that as part of organizing the bundle, I'm pretty sure Caroline also has like a way of organizing all of these games by length. Or by some other means that you can use to do things like how many of these games do I want to play in you know this weekend? And the other uh goes to what Taylor was just saying about um about about the effects of, of quantity, right? About how much of a difference I, I actually here here is a question: what what's the difference between having a game bundle like this with nine games in it. Um, and, and Caroline, I, you have previously organized uh, bundles like the Horny for Abortion Access bundle, which had a, a smaller than 450 uh, games in it um, bundle. Uh, so what's the difference between a, a smaller bundle like that and a, a bundle of this monumental quantity?
2: Uh, okay. I'm sorry to just tone in really quick, but there's the thing called Metcalf's Law, which I'm sure like you're a super sociologist, so you know about it. Right.
1: This is the right audience for this, yeah.
2: So
3: I'm so glad say- because Taylor loves laws and I'm always like, I do not know about No Laws, laws these, are, <laughs> these are like
2: social science laws, so they're not. No, really I know, real. I know. Yes. Oh, wait, I shouldn't say that to social science people in the
3: audience,
1: please I, I, don't They're yeah, not, I, I mean, think, they're not the legal the science, kind but, of law, and they're uh, not
3: like the law of gravity, but they're a different third,
1: <laughs> a hidden third Society is the only reality, I don't know what you two are on. <laughs> okay. okay,
2: but basically, I'm going to use the metaphor of a fax machine, because that's what they use on the Wikipedia page. And I'm just going to pretend like I've memorized that Wikipedia page. Basically, like, if you have one fax machine, it's worthless garbage. But if you have two, you can fax back and forth with people. Mm. And then that's super valuable. So if there's, like, one fax machine in America and one fax machine in, like, China, that fax machine's super valuable because it's the only way two continents can talk. So Mm. the more fax machines you have, the more like people can differently communicate and the more valuable each one becomes like if there's only one fax machine in like a grocery store in america and a grocery store in china communicating between those grocery stores isn't valuable but if you can use them to fax anyone in the world suddenly faxing is really important so that means that um for things like like um Social networks, a social network with one user on it is worthless. A social network with a million users is pretty valuable in theory, though we all know how that's actually worked in principle. (laughs) So that's the first part of it. Here's how it applies to bundles, is when you have a bundle with nine people, you don't trigger people's hoarding instincts as hard, and human beings are naturally hoarders. Like, we like to have huge supplies of stuff in case we run out. Like, oh, my God, what if I run out of video games to entertain myself? I'll die. Oh, no. So, <laughs> like, nine, we go, that's not enough, even though we're not actually going to beat all nine. But, like, 400 for this month, maybe that's good. And then I'll buy it again next year and the year afterwards. But then the problem is that when you're dividing money between nine people, it goes... Further than when you're dividing between 200 people, or at least you'd think so in theory, but the facts problem sets back in. When you tell nine people to retweet, Oh, I'm selling a bundle, that's maybe their friends and their like parents and their like kids buy it. And so you maybe get like, let's just pretend they buy it and their family buys it. That's like 18 sales. But now let's say you have a bundle with. 400 people and their family buys it and they buy it that's 800 sales and so the thing is the more people you have the more social networks it's connected to the more communities it's connected to so you get a much deeper reach the flip side of that though is the fax machine problem of not every single user or fax machine is going to be as valuable so if you have like a social network yes obama being on your social network is super valuable but is like bob the troll a super valuable addition to your social network no so like all of a sudden every single fax machine has a fixed cost or computer has a fixed cost so if you're a bundle if you're dividing your funds equally or your social network, your resources that you cost to spend per server space, you're cutting your pie for money, smaller and smaller with each user. So if each user is less valuable or variable values, that means that, for example, some games that might not be interesting to anybody take the same amount of money as the best game you've ever played in your life. And so as you slice the money smaller and smaller, the likelihood of being able to actually have a meaningful amount of money raised by your bundle gets much lower. So for a bundle where funds are split, that becomes dangerous because eventually the bundle eats itself. And so you're stuck with a problem of how do you get enough people to have reach while also not destroying your ability to fund because a bundle is worthless without a ton of things in it, but also it's worthless if it doesn't change people's lives in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very complicated balance between like helping people who need it, super high quality stuff and like trusting people. And that's before you even get into the logistics and horrors of fraud. Okay. I talked a lot. No, that was was, was a,
3: that was a beautiful answer. I will talk a little bit as somebody who's more on the player side. I mean, this year I'm, I'm helping. I'm
1: organizing, but um, you're, you're like that, the lead organizer
3: of the 2020s. <laughs> you're giving yourself, yeah. Like in but, here. Um, but it start uh, the joke that I make. I don't, Don. You might be too young for this joke, but um, it's that hair club for men commercial where he goes, "I'm not just the president. I'm also a client." That's that's me with the bundle because I was just a big fan of it, and last year I truly did play most of the games in it some games I'm just I'm not a very good gamer so things that are like this is a difficult platformer I'm not doing that Um, I'm sure they're good but I just don't play those and I interviewed like 60 people or teams from the bundle and I was trying to think before we started recording I just literally like messaged Taylor and was like can I just help with anything (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so much it so much work and um and so that was how I got involved was just truly that I liked the bundle a lot I liked Taylor a lot and um so I did do a little bit of napkin math uh while you've been talking about this I have my spreadsheet that Don mentioned and the purpose of it is for people who are streaming we have streamers this year for the first time and i wanted them to have a resource that they could be like this is a safe for twitch game here's how long it takes here's what genre it is so they can pick things that um might kind of fit into their their groove that they like um just the safe for twitch games um are like over 175 hours worth wow. so i know so um that would be That's about a week, right, Um, just of those. Then you'll have like a really fun week of just the adult games. And then you can play tabletop games until the cows come home. And um, also I did cap the number of minutes that I listed at 120. Some of these games are sprawling visual novels that are 100,000 words. Like These are games that you will sink into something that struck me about what taylor just said is like by selling the bundle to a lot of people we are kind of giving them the fax machine and so what that does not in terms of the like stark financial terms that taylor is talking about which is really the primary function of the bundle and i understand that but as somebody who has bought a lot of these bundles um and now i work on one um when you talk about a game and you can say to somebody like, oh, if you bought the itch racial justice bundle, you already own this game. Um, You're kind of like making a bigger on ramp for them to find the game and play it. And so even when the games that I'm playing are super niche and they are, I would say like adult games that are not just like, kind of booby hentai lady games, which are fine. If you're into that, I love that for you. But that's not a lot of the like adult games that we have in this bundle. But um, so you get quickly into niches. But if you can say to somebody, you like literally already have a copy of this, you can just go to this page and download. Like it already belongs to you. It's in your library. I think that kind of speaks to that dragon horde instinct that Taylor (laughs) was describing. And People love it, even though it gives them that push-pull feeling of like, oh, I could, I could literally never play all of these. I'd better buy them all so I can put them in my Scrooge McDuck pool and just like swim in them, you know? So it's kind of a <laughs> it's kind of an inborn ambivalence, I think.
1: I I also want to take out of the fax machine metaphor. Thanks, Wikipedia and Taylor. <laughs> 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 I, I want to take out of this at, on the side of someone who plays a, a lot of games from the bundles that I get, including this year's Queer Games Bundle. I, I've probably played, uh, you know, I've, I've finished more games this month than any other month out of the year. And yes, I'm the kind of dork who tracks that in a spreadsheet. Uh, I
0: I am the least surprised I've ever been to hear that you keep track of the games that you've finished in a spreadsheet. Oh, there's all
1: my information. <laughs> yeah, but also
3: Don, Don like tickled my heart when I can't remember even where this conversation took place, but I was listing some games somewhere and he was like just noting all of these and then adding them to the internet games database after I play them. I was like, yes, that's, that's I, me. I, I, I'm an editor on that site <laughs> because things don't exist if you don't have a footprint for them and for archival purposes and stuff like that it's so important
1: yes and and I've done that for several uh queer games bundle as well as uh domino club jam games this month um because domino (laughs) Club also does super fun stuff even even when I play something from uh either any of these large pools even if I play it and I'm like I don't think i enjoyed that or i don't think it's very good it is still inevitably there there is always a ground of but it's certainly interesting enough for me to think about engage with write at least a couple paragraphs about it if it doesn't already have archive relevance then i i i make it so and then hopefully other people see it show up on sites that pull from things like uh, the internet game database, um like Backloggery. I and, and I really and love... And Twitch. It. Twitch pulls from it. That's the big thing. Right. I I I love when I, I I love when I create something on the game's database and then I go on Twitch or I go on backloggery and I can see it show up on those sites. I also love when I go to see, hey, I wonder if anyone has ever put up a site for this game before and I go and I search for it and there's one review and it's from Caroline Dahlberg <laughs> and then I review. <laughs>
3: <laughs> here, I'm out here walking the walk that's
1: yeah well you, you know you're you're an inspiration in terms of of last year's interview marathon um and and games played for sure uh and this year i i'm not doing as focused a a project on that um but i've i have really enjoyed either finally getting around some games that had previously caught my eye or or games from uh developers where i played you know one of their games before and then i saw they have another new one in this bundle um Game, games like um hit me, which has a, a sequel. Siri. We oh. love him. Yes. I I have I I really, really thought Hit Me was great and I'm excited to play the sequel.
2: You haven't played Hit Me 2 yet? Not yet. Oh wow, that's sad.
1: <laughs> I want to. Sorry,
2: oops.
3: This reminds me of there's a I think about this line a lot in the show Freaks and Geeks. There is a stoner girl who ends up introducing Lindsay to the Grateful Dead. And she's Mm -hmm. like, I wish I could go back in time so that I had never heard this and I could listen to it again for the first time. And that's when you're like, I played Hit Me and I I was like, oh, I love Hit Me. It would be so nice to like experience that for the first time again because it totally blew me away. It's so just like, I wasn't expecting it to be as funny as it is. It's wonderful. It's full of surprises. It's so just like weirdly relatable, even though it's about somebody totally different than me. Yeah. I was like, I feel so invested in this story about these empanadas. I just heard yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very <laughs> wonderful. And also just like one of the kindest yeah. people. And loves art so much, and is always referencing things I've never ever heard of. Just I like very- the
1: interview that you that you did too um, for, for yes. the last year's bundle, and and yeah, Hit Me is just a game suffused with with kindness, and I, I think an amazing variety of locations. Um, the way the way that this is a story that unfolds in uh, Chile over a few days. For, for folks who, who haven't played it, and there is a, a really fantastic uh way that the kindness of a couple that the main character falls in love with, feels sheltered by, feels supported by, contrasts with uh, the, the the violence and abuse faced by the same main character and um, his his mother while traveling in in the same place. And this is built up over the course of days. It's a great story. I I can't wait to play the sequel.
3: Yes, and Siri is a good example of somebody who is working on a new project that is using skills that he's been able to take the time to learn and work on because of the bundle. He's been showing off little bits of actually 3D gameplay, which I'm so excited about Um, for Hit Me 3, which will be, I don't know what his plan, I kind of like, I love his stuff and I kind of don't want to know that much
1: about it before it comes out, you know, that kind of. Yeah. yeah. And just the anticipation of it. it, And this is, you know, right. Like this is just I I think that it was just one of the first examples that came to mind, because when I was went looking like, oh, hit me, this was that was great. I'm going to look this up and see if other people have uh, already, you know, uh, made sure this is acknowledged in places on the Internet beyond its store page and beyond the bundle. And sure enough, uh, Caroline had in fact done that already. (laughs) (laughs) But if you hadn't, I would've.
3: I'll just say, we can joke about the people who have the spreadsheets, but they do kind of like run things, you know? (laughs) That instinct, (laughs) people who write things down are the things that survive, you know?
1: There is a a whole thought about the archive contained in that statement. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. and that's something that i think is also really helpful ab- about having a really or at least a relatively large bundle right like there that even for archival purposes like you never know what you need until you need it right like like y- you you might not have a clear sense going into like a new piece of research or some other like new thing you want to work on or dig up you, you often some of the best things that you uncover are things that were in the box next to the thing that you thought you were there to see you know or or something like that so i think that oh yeah Yeah, from an archival perspective, like having these things together is really, really important because it's also like this snapshot that we'll be able to look back to for as long as the tech is working, right? Well, as long as the solar flare doesn't happen, we'll be able to look back and and kind of have this snapshot of what folks were making. Um, now, what folks were making in past years when the bundle came out, and that's uh, that's another really cool, I think, aspect of, of this project.
2: Well, I'd like to expand on that a little bit in the fact that when it's one individual working alone, they have a lot lower reach, but when people get bundled together, their view count goes up dramatically, mm. and the amount of people playing it do as well. And I think it's the difference between having a queer arts movement versus having a bunch of queer lone wolves. A lot of times people go, we need more representation. And I know I really shouldn't sarcastically use that voice for them because I get what they're saying, but there already is representation. People just aren't paying attention because the voices are drowned out by Super Mario. Mm. And this lets us have a movement that is both cultural but economically connected because you don't really have a community if you can throw people out with zero consequences.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I've had,
3: um, okay, I have been doing all the social media stuff for the bundle Mendel- all month, and I've been having a very good time doing all of that. But in the meantime, I accidentally stepped into some discourse. And it was because I made a thread that was like, if you want to find and buy and review games on Steam that have very few reviews, that can make a huge difference to those people who made those games. If something is teetering on the brink, if it has 48 reviews, if you can tip it over into 50, it like levels up. (laughs) We can talk about Katamari again. It gets bigger. Mm. It can now go out the window, you know? So I made this thread and I was like, I don't want to talk about games that I consider near A Games like Celeste that have sold millions of copies. That's not the kind of games that I'm talking about. And somebody who's very beloved in the indie games community swooped in and was like, Literally, I don't know this person, but they swooped in and they were like, this is the worst possible outcome that I predicted for when people said they wanted worse games, with worse graphics is that they would say that no one needs artists. And I was like, I did not say that. And also as somebody championing people for whom $500 changes their lives.
0: Mm, I I
3: don't feel bad for you in the middle space where you're currently making Mm. a living, making games. It was just like, how am I the outcome that you feared the most from this discourse (laughs) in my thread? That's like, please review this adventure game that has 18 reviews. It was, it just really was like, it reinforced that. I really feel like I'm doing something that matters. And You know, a game like Hit Me is such a good example because for the right kind of person, Hit Me would really be a very, like, commercially viable game. It's well-written. It's well-paced. It's funny. It's touching. It's shocking. There's love. There's violence. There's at least hints of sex, you know? And the art is so striking. It's distinctive. And the characters are so memorable. And so if we can get, I don't know, the scale of things on itch is so hard to understand if you aren't looking at someone's analytics directly, but if we can get a thousand new people to look at Hit Me over the course of like the few years that the bundle has been going, I would love that because that is a unquestionably a great game that would appeal to tons of people if they just looked at it yeah it's really
2: hard being a small indie I've been like working on my steam release and I wrote like 79 steam publication thingies and I only got two responses which was one person being like yeah this contains trans characters and the other one was like ma'am this is a hentai meme blog and those (laughs) were my only two responses
1: (laughs) (laughs) I, I know uh you know the we want to keep the focus maybe more on the bundle than some of your games, but that does remind me of a scene from He Fucked the Girl Out of Me, in which you have the, the computer that replicates messages um that the main character receives um for respective sex work clients and they're just, and, and and the bit of narration that you wrote in front of it of like trying to distinguish these messages from if they're, you know, authentic or dangerous or just a waste of your time or just fetishization or just inviting more trauma into your inbox, Um, you know, I, I, I know that esteem Inbox is, uh, you know, in in some ways, very different from what's depicted in that scene. But at the same time, uh, knowing that you wrote that scene, and then hearing what you just said, I can't help but put them together at least a little bit.
2: Uh, Yeah, I get what you mean. Um, That's kind of the nature of it is... Right now, if you're making adult games, the world is very much, uh, God, I'm probably going to get murdered on the internet for saying this, but it's a straight, cisgender, man's world of porn games.
3: Yeah, I I called them booby hentai games before. It's okay. I
2: I, I actually think that adult game developers get shit on a lot, so I don't want to make their lives harder.
3: Oh, yeah. I think, though, that those those major hentai games are absolutely printing money. Like, they don't need us to look out for them. So there's someone in the bundle this year who I absolutely love, which is... Um, Georgina Bensley, Hanako Games. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: And her uh, quite like a kinetic visual novel um, called Night Cascades is in the bundle. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, I think its sales have underperformed uh, for what she would hope. And she is very careful and plans really, really thorough Kickstarters that document all her costs and uh, cover everything that she will need. And she makes really clear stretch goals and stuff like that she's such a such a really good planner but um she's also a curator on steam and she has a regular i don't know if it's a series when it's just something that somebody tweets about or like on mastodon is where i follow her now but um that she calls curation woes and it'll be like you know your your octopus man game is not yuri (laughs) (laughs) you know so her timeline is just
1: like it's just like (laughs)
3: smattered with things that are not the right thing for what she is doing and um it's very funny and it's also like Taylor's saying I I don't blame people who are just like trying to cast the net because you never know Mm -hmm. who's gonna be the person who kind of seizes on your thing even if it's not their direct purview in this one thing, people are broad, they contain multitudes and you know, so it is I a think, tough
1: market. I do think there, I, I think there is a, a, it isn't exactly a clear distinction because that's kind of the point of queerness in many ways is, is a refusal of clear distinctions um, and, and categorization and uh, in, in the politics thereof. But I think there is a difference a lot of the time even between the the horniest uh most most erotic most adult most not safe for work queer games that are are meant to be sex games and to depict sex and to be horny and all of those things and those that Taylor you just pointed out as as the much larger market of um just basically appealing to cis heterosexual men's fantasy. Um, And I do think that there is something really valuable and Caroline, you you mentioned in your spreadsheet, right? You might have a a hundred um, of, you know, queer adult games in this bundle. I think there is actually something really wonderful and valuable in that. Um, And I think there's something wonderful and valuable in those games even just for, I mean, even if some of the authors might have, you know, themselves muddled or unclear ideas about what they're trying to express, even the expression of complicated, messy, queer relationships in, uh, that also include pornographic images, in many cases, is valuable in the contrast that that poses to other depictions of sexuality that are most available on the internet and in popular media so one
3: thing that was really exciting to me this year okay so first of all there's tons of great adult games in this bundle and they do range from I would say things that are more just like sweet um, and love oriented, which is great if that's like what you're into, Um, just stuff that is like kinks I didn't really know existed because they're quite off the beaten path. Um, And so we were talking a little bit about help I need to stretch out for Valentine's Day, which is... (laughs) that's Um, so good yes it is is so good
0: that's wonderful um, oh that's such a good title I love that yes
3: it's become like a quite popular game and it's a I think it's a I haven't played it myself to be clear but um, I think it's that it's like a rubbery character first of all that's a thing that people like and then uh, stretching out is a thing that people like And it is a queer game. Um, I don't know if you could be a straight rubber stretching out character. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't played
2: it. I have so much to say about it.
3: Oh my gosh, please. Yes.
2: Okay. so um, when I was younger, this might be dating myself. And I'm also sure most of you are probably too young to know what I'm talking about. But during my youth days, there was a thing called goatsy on the internet.
1: hmm mm-hmm. Yep. We, I'm not too old. old enough to know.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah. Taylor, I think I think everyone in the call is older than you. Oh.
2: <laughs> oh, well, anyways.
3: I I'm 37. I think Don, Don you're like 34. Six. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. We're all, all friends right. here.
2: Anyways. Um basically. When I was younger, they were like, oh, my God, Goatsy is like this most horrifying bad thing that you share when you want to fuck somebody up for life, supposedly. Mm. And people would see it and they'd be like, oh, my God, I'm vomiting or, oh, my God, I'm ruined or I need bleach for my eyes. And when I was younger... I was all, ha ha, that's funny. I'm edgy internet kid. Of course, this is funny or whatever. But then the older I got, the more I realized that like they're just treating like gay people as a disgusting thing to see. Mm. That's traumatic. That their literal love and existence is traumatic. And so for me, when I saw help, I need to stretch out for Valentine's Day. It's a game about like. Stretching out your anus so that it can be wide enough to take your massive, your partner's cock, who is so massive that it practically has a satellite revolving around it, like it has its own gravitational field. Like we're talking, like this is a celestial body. So it was to me suddenly seeing goatsy except as something super cute and sexy, where people were like, "Oh my god, I get to be goatsy. And Goetze was just one frame taken out of a person's entire lifetime context, whereas this you're seeing it in context of their relationships, the bonds that they form with other people to stretch out their anus with. Like they invite all their friends over to have a pool party stretching out their anus. And I'm like, they're beloved by everybody for like their ability to take massive cocks, but also be a musician, which they talk about. And like all of these things, and they're loved and they make other people happy to see it. And I really needed to see that sort of acceptance and happiness around being a human being who enjoys stretching out your anus. Yes.
3: That reminds me, this is a, okay, this will, this will seem like a wild pull at first, but I just need you to hang with me for like a second, but, um, the situation that you were just describing Taylor is situations that are depicted also very frankly in the show sex in the city. And I think like there's okay. There's an episode where Carrie has a diaphragm and she like loses her diaphragm inside her body, which is a, which is a thing that can happen if it's not the right size. There's a lot of different ways that that could happen. And she's like, I can't reach it. And I need one of you to help me. And that's like, it's held up as such a thing that is just like, a form of community that like, of course, you would help there's it's Samantha who helps, of course, and she's like, I just had my nails done. And it's funny, but she does it. And she doesn't even hesitate. And then there's another episode where Samantha dates a guy whose cock is too big. (laughs) And I'm realizing now, in the kind of scholarship I'm using that term I'm making air quotes you can't see that but um when people are like sex in the city is just about gay men but they've just made them women and I'm thinking now like was that actually just kind of like a gay subplot but they just made it about Samantha where it's like he's too big there's no way and she like smokes weed to try to loosen up and she like gets all this advice and and I love the idea that Stories like that are, first of all, things like that are universal. The idea of having community that supports you and answers your sex questions and helps you, that's wonderful. And to make that into like a space that is, we talked a little bit about representation before, but that is like, everyone has those same concerns regardless of whether they're queer or not or what the situation is. And those stories all do deserve to be told. And there are things that appeal to everyone about what those stories are saying. And it's just like, it's funny that that was, you know, 25 years ago that Sex in the City started. And it was like a big deal then to say those things, even just about cis women who are straight. And so I love that. You
1: mm-hmm. just brought to mind uh, an older reference than, than Sex in the City, and one that probably isn't as celebrated as it could be as a piece of queer media, but specifically the film adaptation of The Witches of Eastwick um, in which a a developing coven turns into a quadruple and then kicks out the fourth, uh, the fourth being Satan played by Jack Nicholson uh, to be a a thruple queer family structure raising their children and constantly re-kicking out Jack Nicholson. Um, And... There is there's some great dialogue in the Witches of Eastwick, which is very similar in in that way of, of just some really frank discussions about uh penis size and shape, and facing it or not being able to face it, as the case may be. Um, and it's presented between the main characters um as you know, as as both frank and funny and sexy. And so it, it can be so many, it can mean so many different things at the same time. And one of the things I really love about that movie uh, is that it it actually just engages with, with that discussion and that community in those ways, in those multiple ways and it's core to the movie and it's core to the plot of the movie. Um, and, and magic and and witchcraft and everything else. Uh, and it's cool to then, you know, backtrack that connection through sex in the city, uh, into the queer games bundle, um, and into a game with a fantastic title about holes and Valentine's day and, and Taylor, as you pointed out, being beloved in community for the wonderful things even your body can do.
2: I also want to say one thing that's slightly off topic, but I thought it was really amazing that they made elaborate um butthole physics because they have boob physics, but nobody's ever done butthole physics outside of this game.
1: That's so wonderful. <laughs> I, I, I feel like if we had Robert Yang on, um he would he would have he would also have thoughts about the butthole physics. Um given that that he also and it, I, I think he has at least one game in this year's bundle. Yes, he uh, does. He does. That was like really exciting to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love Robert Yang's games. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I really loved uh, Hard Men, um, <laughs> which is a great. I mean, talk about physics. It, it, it is a a a 3D representation, uh, an interpretation of a video, a viral video of uh, British men hitting each other with chairs and smoking and kissing one another. Um, in a, That's in, right. <laughs> in, in this spectacular presentation of what they think masculinity is about. Um, and they just put it out there. Like this is what masculinity is. And then Robert Yang made that into a video game. And I, I, I mean, I I feel like that goes together with fantastic butthole physics. I I think that we should put those developers in touch. And and maybe that's part of also what the the fax machine example can help us uh, with. Right. Thinking about when you have these games and you organize them together, uh, they can also illuminate one another. Um, you know, they can become richer by, by contrast and comparison with each other too. If if I played all 100 of the more adult games in the bundle, I think I'd probably have a deeper appreciation of all 100 of them because of the contrast that I'd find between them and the similarities.
3: There's, I'm looking at my, looking at my spreadsheet. I just push up my imaginary glasses, but, um, (laughs) so one of the one of the developers I like most. That's that's not fair. I love them all. They're all my all my uh, little bundle ones. But um, I really like this game that we have called *Acolytes of the Crystal*, which is like oh my god. Um, I'm trying to think of how to describe this game. It really is like the most filthy pornographic, but also an actually engaging point and click adventure game all at the same time and it's funny and it's strange and it's, um. I just cannot tell you how just actually porn, like it's a fully explicit adult game and it's just delightful. Like this person, I don't know much about this developer but they are like at the top of their form In this game, the art is great. The story is fun. The setting is cool. And um, it's the kind of thing, like people who love adult games will wait and bother you constantly and be like, when is the next, when is more story about like Tom, the dog guy who fucks the other, you know, like people are really invested in really specific stuff that they like. Mm
1: -hmm. And
3: I love the idea that somebody in the bundle who has a different kind of adult game that maybe is like, they're more at the early part of learning those skills or being able to maybe hire artists or things like that, like to to see other work in there and feel inspired by it. And like, this is what's possible and this is what people are interested in. I really like that. Yeah.
2: I feel like there's a thread in adult games ranging from like really deep intellectual things to really hot things to um things that are just like completely like fucking out there and I enjoy seeing all of them because it gives you a deeper range of adult games than a lot of just the like soulless hentai stuff that just doesn't really go anywhere outside of traditional porn norms. Wait, I really shouldn't be bashing the head adult game people. Their lives are hard. But
3: I It's like okay the to range. say though, it's not a zero sum game. You know, yeah. there's room for I'm being
1: kinds. harsh. There's I, I think, think there's there's a meaningful difference in terms of the willingness of different types of, of creators of, and this is for video games in general, but including adult games, um, which is probably an under discussed genre. Um, I, I think there is a difference in the willingness to explore the significance of sex, of, of gender, of relationship dynamics. Um, and I, I think that some of that is almost certainly inflected commercially right, by thinking about what kinds of fantasy are likely to be commercially successful. But one of the things that I I find admirable about the games in this bundle is that um, Taylor, like you just said, even if a game in the bundle is, you know, the primary focus is on just putting out something really hot, there is still Still, probably something about it, something else about it that adds that has just a little bit more curiosity, or a you know just just a different form of expression or examination. And maybe curiosity really is just the best best word in some ways about what what the sex being depicted or what the relationship being depicted is about. Uh, and that's that is something that I I. It's part of why I I went to hit me as as one of the first concrete examples that I mentioned uh, because I I think that that game has a wonderful way of considering what this the significance of engaging in a relationship of of finding love with two wonderful men who make empanadas and want to teach you how to fight. Um, and, you know, what that relationship can be and how transformative an effect that can have on a person. And yeah, I mean, there's, there's adult elements to that game. It, it is an adult game. But it does mm-hmm. so much more in what, what this author wants to explore by being an adult game than many more commercially successful and motivated games do or can do?
2: I do want to say, I think part of it might be... I hate to say it, but I don't play that many, like, het games because it's not like I'm organizing the het games bundle. (laughs) So I don't really get a chance to, like, experience het people stuff. But I feel like... One thing is head people are able to dehumanize partners based on gender, whereas I feel queer people can't necessarily do that due to the nature of our attraction makes it harder to alienate ourselves from our partners. And so I think that might result in the difference. But I want to, like, talk about, like, in the queer games bundle, sometimes there's really out there adult games. And there's one that really got to me because we have to play and test every game in the bundle, like every game that gets submitted, which isn't the same as every game that gets in. And so, one game that I played while like judging the bundle was I Sense You. And it's this game where this lady shows up with like a giant, um, penis attachment thingy what do you call them strap on and she's got a teddy bear and she's like I'm psychic and read that you totally want to get hit by a strap on and that's what you're into and it's late at night and I'm like judging these games you know to make sure stuff gets into the bundle or not and I'm like actually no I'm really not feeling this I'm just because I'm just here to review the stuff And then they're like, wait, you're not here for strap-ons, but I'm psychic and I can read your mind. And then they were, I was like, no, not here for strap-ons. And then they were like, but the teddy bear's whispering that you really love strap-ons. And I was like, what the fuck? But I broke down laughing. Like, I was so fucking tired at this point that I just started laughing till I cried because the game turned into begging you to admit that you're into strap-ons and being like, please, please just say you're into this. I need you to love strap-ons. And then they're like, oh, you're not here for strap-ons. Okay, bye.
3: (laughs) I've also played many, many many of these games. But I also am like a kind of voracious itch user in general. So Mm. I've waded through a lot of games on itch that are of all kinds and something. okay, so if people don't use itch.io a lot, whatever you search for, there's going to be an adult game that's in the results. It doesn't matter what you're searching for. It doesn't matter what genre you're in. Um, So something that I've noticed. And I think that that's kind of ties back, but a lot of the adult games on itch.io are just like, you know, harem anime basically turned into a visual novel and everybody's naked and there's uh fully illustrated or even animated scenes. And like a lot of work and care goes into those things, even if they're not my personal taste, but there's also tons of stuff that's super popular that is, what I think I would call more transgressive sexualities. And Taylor just made me think about this because one of the big things, I don't, I'll be honest. I don't know if this, what I'm about to say is a term that is even something that somebody like me should say, but the kink is sissification. So like, kind of like we're just describing, you know, this is the, the teddy bear wants you to like the strap on. (laughs) that is wonderful, but um,
1: what a, what a collection of words that is.
3: <laughs> I know right. but so these these games are like, don't you really want to wear the panties? Don't you really want to? And there's something that's like if you are the market for these games, something about that is not just maybe really working for you, but also maybe like helping you interpret a complex thing that you're feeling about Mm. your gender or, you know, like these are, that's what it's like. Some of the stuff I admit that to me, I kind of don't understand what is sexy or not about it Um, because it's just not the stuff that I especially particularly like, but for people who that is like their thing, the idea that you could have a complete list and be like, Maybe there's two games that are about my specific thing that is like not well represented in this, you know, these search results that are full of just boobs. I love that. That's, I think a very good, a very good thing. And there's, I think there's also some tropes that in a straight context, I don't wanna see them. But in a queer context where the story is something different, they become reimagined and they are much more complex. And they can be much more interesting. They can be much more um, relatable, which is just another, I think, a good thing about queer content.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that that was a better expression of that thought that I attempted to give it a couple minutes ago. Um, but I do think there is something about about queer media. There's something about it uh, that that can make things more interesting, that can make that can delve more deeply and thoughtfully into relationships. Or maybe it's just that uh, there there are things in assembling 400 or so queer games. Where, like you pointed out, not not every game in it has to appeal to every person and every kind of person and every taste. But there is something really cool in thinking about, well, right, maybe nowhere else am I going to find even one or two games that you know that are about this specific topic or you know, address these questions that I have about relationships or sexuality or appearance or bodies or trauma or uh, so many many subjects, right And the thought that categorized and organized um, by by you know you two and and your collaborators that there might be you know you you might find the game that speaks to you and the questions that you have, the experiences that you've had, the art that you crave organized here and and it's you know you you can you can find it in the queer games <laughs> bundle that that is really cool
3: so we have someone in the bundle whose itch.io username is les liz i think her name is mari um and she has been streaming some of the games from the bundle as part of our lineup of streamers And I saw her promo art the other day and she was getting ready to stream. Um, We have a creator named Little Rat, whose name is Armin. Armin Little Rat, one of my favorites, um, has two games. One is called Marcus Comes Out Online and the other is called Two Men Go on a Date and Don't Fall in Love. So in the promo art, um, Les Liz had written over the games like this is outside of my comfort zone I can't even be bothered to come out to my own family. <laughs> <You know? And laughs> I think that's very relatable to a lot of people, but I also, I love the idea of somebody whose work is in the bundle, who's looking elsewhere in the bundle. And it's like, the story is engaging something different for me, but I'm relating to it as somebody who's trying to decide, like, how do you, how do you make that circle the right size where people know who you are, who actually deserve to know you and stuff like that. And, um, I thought that was, it's also like it's brave within the the community to admit that something is outside of your comfort zone and that you are learning about it and you're feeling like open-minded and curious about something that is not your own experience. So I thought that was really neat. Yeah.
2: Oh, um, one game that if you're looking for a game like that, you should really consider looking at love and dehumanization in the bundle which is actually a game about it's set in a fictional medieval fantasy world, but it's about wanting to be dehumanized and finding that really attractive and drawing you into it and like have your autonomy taken away. So like hardcore masochism and how it's damaged their ability to like relate to others. And as they struggle to find a way to healthily explore those feelings. And so there's a lot of stuff like, Love and Dehumanization by Aria of Flowers that is worth of looking into. And I wanted to recommend that one to anybody who's still listening to the podcast at this point to like consider checking out since that one's exclusive to the Queer Games Bundle for its launch.
3: Yeah, I believe that the full game really like just came out. It was just yes. finished.
2: It came out like two days ago or something.
3: yeah. And it's that's, I think that sounds kind of like dronification. Does that sound?
2: Um, no, I've played it. The concept was that they wanted to be turned into an RPG monster and slaughtered over and over again, RPG monster style, you know, wow. like a monster hunter monster. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so rather than dronification, it's like pet play, except instead of being a pet, you're the thing that hunters hunt. So so I interesting. This I is, think is called.
3: That's huh. a really good sales pitch, though, because now I'm really intrigued by that.
2: Yeah, so it's not dronification; it's like pet play, but for like being a deer in a billionaire's hunting lodge. Or uh, that maybe sounds, that's a bad. That sounds really
1: intriguing, and no, I haven't heard of that.
2: <laughs> so, yes. if you're listening. I really suggest you read Love and Dehumanization because it's got a lot of heart in it. And I found it out of all of the hundreds of games that I played reviewing stuff to be one of the most emotionally affecting ones for me.
3: Mm -hmm. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. That sounds really cool. That's one I'll need to look at as I, as I uh, have expert curatorial help to to guide me, guide me
3: through.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, Seriously, though, it's it's so delightful to get to talk to you both about how this uh, this wonderful project and how it came together. I feel like there have been some really good. uh, This is one of those episodes that has had some highly actionable stuff that has been brought up. Um, Don, could could you what was the name of that archive website that you were adding stuff to? Could you say that again?
1: IGDB the Internet Games Database.
0: Okay, great. So we have that we have, you know, uh, writing Steam reviews, uh good and uh, doing a good job and being being a good steward of that responsibility. We have obviously um buying the bundle. Um but are there any other ways that uh, to highlight um, that uh, interested people might a- avenues that interested people might be able to follow, so that they could support uh, queer creators in meaningful ways that uh, that really count.
2: Caroline, do you want to start, or should I bring for ten? I can. Yours.
3: Oh, <laughs> okay. I can. How about I'll I'll start and I'll say some things, and then you can expand because you have very like large complex good thoughts about this. Um, so there are a few just kind of logistical things that are a that are a big help that would be like not to just buy the bundle, but um, play the games, rate the games. Um, if you are somebody who likes to stream things, um, streaming the games is great um telling people that you've been playing them and enjoying them just spreading that word of mouth and um i guess my my dream would be you know in a case like when we just talked about hit me before like taylor and i have talked before about how much we love siri who's like just the sweetest kindest person and obviously a wonderful artist but um that moment where someone else has played Hit me, and you're like, oh wow, it's so great. Here are things that are great about it. Here, are... and then you can have a just a conversation where the the whole point of the conversation is to talk about how beautiful this piece of art is, or you know, art doesn't have to be beautiful, but how it is interesting to you, or whatever it is. Um, I just want those conversations to happen, and um, when you do things like rate games on itch and leave comments for their makers, you not only reach that person directly and tell them that their work is mattering to you, which is so important, but you're also helping to create an impression that that work is impacting people, which can draw more people in to give it a chance. So that would be my opinion. In short, um, pay for thanks. That's also the most important thing. Follow yeah. people on itch whose work you like. You'll find out when they have new stuff. You can pay five dollars for it. You know, like whatever the price is typically. But a lot of these games are pay what you will. And you should if you can.
0: Yeah. No, pay pay what you will means this is an opportunity for wealth redistribution. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, yes. Like that's that's this is this is your chance to do that thing that you all you're always saying is good in principle if you are in the redistributing uh section. Which is, I guess, a very political way of saying, like, just fucking. If you can afford people, it, pay yeah, people. If you, think- if you can afford it, pay people, and uh, and if you can't, uh, let us know so we can help figure out how to support you. But Taylor, what uh, do you think? Did yeah, think? yeah. What do you think?
2: Okay. Um. One thing is, and this is going to be a personal pet peeve. I see a lot of people saying we need more representation and the fact is the representations existed for years we just have cultural amnesia because we're not talking about those people so we need to change the conversation from not we need representation to look at what our communities are doing we should be proud of our communities and celebrating our own art rather than saying we need for nintendo to make gender queer animal crossing villagers uh-huh. And
0: so, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: oh man i hope i don't get killed for saying that no no, no
3: you're absolutely right. i think i laugh because you're very <laughs> you right.
0: have four yes. out you're, of four people on your agreement you're in wholeheartedly sympathetic company yes <laughs> On, on this.
2: yeah but the people listening to the recording might be getting their pitchforks right now
0: <laughs> no we won't let them <laughs> no i there's there's a there's a firm no pitchfork rule on uh, on this podcast. But yeah, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, to cut in, though.
3: Yes, please so, go ahead,
2: Taylor. That would be one thing. Um, funding people is the most important thing you can do. So donate to people, leave comments saying that your stuff matters or their stuff matters. Um, this one is actually going to also draw pitchforks but a lot of people like to discourse about shit and you can talk until the cows come home. But the fact is if you're not doing anything that makes an immediate, meaningful impact in people's lives, then everything you're saying is kind of ultimately bullshit. So if you see a problem and I mean this like broadly, but especially for gaming, instead of like just talking about it, Try to figure out ways to meaningfully change things. So try running a bundle or try making a game or try like doing something to change stuff that you don't like and improve stuff. I think if there were more people running bundles, a lot of people think it's really hard, but it's actually a bitch. It's horrible to run bundles. I hate running bundles. And I probably shouldn't say that. I also like running bundles, but I also hate learning bundles. Oh man, that's really bad to say. But yeah. um,
1: it's a lot of. You've demonstrated how much work it is, and it yeah. is a lot of work to organize and test 450 games and then promote them all month. So I, I'm I want to celebrate the work both of you are doing. Yeah.
2: Both. Um, and then the other thing is. And this is gonna sound really fucked up, but you are the representation you need already. So consider making a small game yourself, for real. Like be a part of the queer arts movement and make your queer art. Like we're all actually part of a bigger movement. And also I think we need to hire queer people more pay people for their work and yeah I actually think Caroline covered everything super important also I'm really tired so my brain's not working anymore
3: <laughs> we've been talking no you're doing great we've been talking for a long time I'm a math and science reporter as my day job that's my thing that I do and I want to just share I think that Don and I have maybe talked about this yes because I I posted on co-host about this because This Okay, this ties into what Taylor just said as well, because people love to talk about games. They love it. They love to just argue about goofy Nintendo stuff that I personally don't care about. If you love Nintendo, that's your business. But when people try to persuade you that games are a monolith, they're not. There's literally no metric in which games are a monolith, except the fact that, Almost half the people on Earth play a game each year. So that includes everyone from somebody's 90-year-old grandma who gets into Animal Crossing Pocket Camp or Candy Crush. That includes kids who are obsessed with Minecraft. And it includes people who love Zelda. But that percentage of people who are actually doing that is tiny it's a tiny little bit. And when I did the math, something like maybe one to one and a half percent of all the people who play games are playing Zelda. That's it. That means out of a hundred people, 99 of them are not doing that. So when people want to make you feel like the things that you enjoy, for whatever reason, especially I think when The issue is queer art there are issues of bigotry like I don't relate to this story or you know Zelda is a fake thing about a medieval place you're also not a princess you know it's fine so (laughs) I would encourage you if you feel that people around you are creating a dominant conversation that you don't feel represented by that you don't feel like you want to participate in make your own conversation talk about a niche game that you love because nothing in games is that monolithic. The thing that's probably the most monolithic is those things like candy crush. So just talk about something other than that, or talk about that. If that's what you love, that's fine, but don't let other people tell you what games are important to you because they're wrong. There's
2: two things I want to say. Yeah. Uh, this is, one thing that I'm gonna say probably should be cut, but I feel like Nintendo and a lot of these game companies are brainwashing people from childhood to be their lifetime like players, and that's yes. not actually good to be brainwashed by a corporation. And this is a chance to play games that don't exist to brainwash you. Yeah, and steal all your money. And there's something valuable in having. Culture that doesn't exist purely to extract money from you. I mean, we take our $10 or $60, but then after that, we're just here to be artists. Whereas they want to like brainwash you with dark game design and merchandising and stuff. And not to survive, but because they want to have hegemony over our culture. Mm-hmm. And this is our chance to fight back against that hegemony. And then The final thing, like, before we close out, I was wondering, would it be possible if I could, like, suggest some games that I super think are worth playing, some that are more obscure and some that are, like, not as obscure as well? Before we, like, close out, I want to make sure I get to do that.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I I think I would like to, to close out this episode with two things. One... Where can we find you on the internet if you would like to be found? You know, it could be your store page, it could be your social media handle, it could be the publications that you write for. Um, what, whatever uh version of that you would like to provide that's one. And two, what are the games from this bundle that you would most like to recommend? And I can go first. I'm Don Everhart. You can find me on. Co-host uh, at Dunn, D-O-N-E. That's it. I got that one. It's mine. Ha! And also at gamerswithglasses.com, uh, where you might be listening to this podcast. I would uh, very much recommend, out of the Queer Games Bundle, in addition to Hitney that we've already discussed a bunch, um, the Anti-Guide to Field Guides. And love that one. Request uh, both by, by the same author, um, Dree Chu Tattersfield. I, they're, they're quick, but I think they both have incredibly thoughtful ideas, uh, contained within them. And they both totally broadened my mind as to what is possible, uh, in Bitsy games. They're just a wonderful expression of what you can do with that toolbox. Um, and I encourage everyone to to play anti-guided field guides in Taipei Metro Quest.
3: Taylor, would you like to go? You can do yeah. Taylor's corner.
2: Okay. Um, hi, my name is Taylor McHugh. You can find me by googling um, "He fucked the girl out of me," but make sure you do not click the Pornhub one. Mm-hmm. Um, that one's not actually me or just Googling Taylor McHugh and picking the links that aren't about the person who's the um, runner or the physical therapist. Um, That one's probably me, the one that makes games. Um, As far as games that I'd like to suggest, I'm going to be a hypocrite and say, queer man peering into a rock pool.jpg is one of my recommendations. And the reason I suggest it is if you are like brainwashed by Nintendo from childhood like I was, this is the closest thing to having a queer Nintendo game as you're going to get that's actually made for adults. So I'd recommend that one. Next up, I'd recommend Begenzo's Circle of Charity, which the reason that I'm recommending that one is it's about trans girls specifically become angels because they want to help people and they end up burning out their divine powers and getting reincarnated back into fucked up trans girls in an endless cycle of helping people until you destroy yourself. And I think some people really need to hear a story like that. The next game that I'd like to recommend is Lena and W's nightmare temptation Academy, which is probably one of the most fucked up games that I've played Like, it has scenes in which you put, like, weird hamster creatures in microwaves and blow them up, which I know is fucked up. And at the same time, I used to be an insecure person who was like, if I say things on the internet that are wrong, parasocial people will call me out and then I'll die or kill myself. And I've realized after playing Nightmare Temptation Academy, that you can actually make fucked up things and have people find value in them and be fearless in that way. And it gave me the courage to talk about my own trauma, which literally saved my life. So I know on one level being like, wow, this is fucked up. Yes, this is fucked up. And that's wonderful to have the courage to do that. So please consider playing that one. The next game I'd like to recommend in the bundle and i know that i have a lot of recommendations but i played a lot of games and i want to make sure that they get recommended it's actually a comic sad sack one so much for the tolerant left that is um a gay snuff porn comic and the reason that i'd like to suggest this one is there's a lot of horror movie monsters but they're always hurting people like us and in the world we're living in There's a lot of people that want to hurt us. This is about having people who are on the left, who are absolutely fucking evil monsters, but they wouldn't hurt us. And living in these times where there's a lot of people who are monsters who would hurt us, I found an odd amount of comfort in seeing our side having monsters that are strong. I know I have a lot of suggestions, but please bear with me just a little bit longer. Um, The next game I'd like to recommend is Clownish Fun, which is near the bottom of the bundle right now in popularity, but I actually found it was really beautifully done, the art is good, and it's about clown fetish. And I know clown fetish is a little bit weird to suggest, but it's really short, cute, and fun. And I think it's good to explore alternate things. Um, The next game I'd like to recommend, and this is my second to last one, is Obstructions in Road, which is a game that's a tabletop RPG, but it's also a collection of hundreds of pictures of moss that the author took while like, being outside. And I think it's really interesting to explore their life through moss and also like a game. And then the final game that I'd like to suggest is everything is going to be okay, which is a game about trauma. And when I first played it, it so deeply affected me because I was like, this has said everything about trauma, like generic trauma that needs to be said. So why do I need to make anything? And then it led me to the realization that even if people say generic things about trauma, there's still the ultra specific things that will always be personal to you. So it was one of those games that helped me realize that games can be a medium for talking about trauma, pain, and deeper emotional things, and also healing. And I feel it's one of the most realistic and universal expressions of trauma that I've ever seen. Anyways, that was me, Taylor McHugh, and I'll be quiet now. Thank you for being patient and not executing me.
3: (laughs) Um Caroline. (laughs) Yes, okay. Um, I'm Caroline Delbert. I am technically the lead organizer of the bundle this year. And you can find me. I co-host is probably the best place to find me also. Uh, my name there is Ada That's my general name. You can also Google me because there's, I think there's only two people with my name on the whole planet and the other one is French and that's not me. So um, if you find somebody, it's me probably. Um, okay. So I'm going to take a little bit different approach to recommending from the bundle because every time there's Discourse, I'm sorry I keep saying the word discourse, but um, I learned that what people are aware of is a lot more shallow than I think. So when I'm like, I would love to play an indie game that is this, this, and this, there's always like five people who want to tell me to play Slay the Spire. Do you know that's one of the best selling games ever? You know, it's not like it is an indie, but like everybody has heard, I thought everybody had heard of it. But so... Here are some of the games in the bundle that I would say I consider sort of blockbuster games. They're beautiful, they're super high quality. People love these games. They also still have great stories, great mechanics and things like that. So if you're looking for, I would say maybe an accessible entry point to start exploring. One game that I would really recommend is a visual novel called Lookouts, which is about, there's I love it so much. It's about two transmasculine lookouts for competing outlaw gangs. And one is an eagle and the other is like a, I think a fox. They're so cute. It's a wonderful story. The art is striking. It's beautiful. Um, it won a furry award, which I feel great about. One of the games that I love is in the bundle this year which is Lady Killer in a Bind by Christine Love. It is like a social scheming Machiavellian game that then also has
1: a lot of very kinky sex. Um it's awesome. I've written about Lady Killer in a Bind for this very website. You can Oh my gosh, it. wonderful. Sure.
3: Yes. Okay. There's somebody I love who has a lot of games in the bundle. She is a prolific creator. Her name is Melancholy Marionette and the game I want to recommend by her is called Imposter. It's a visual novel horror game about finding that you don't really know who your partner is and are they an imposter? That's kind of um it's wonderful. It'll make I don't know if it will surprise you if you're super into horror. I don't follow a lot of like horror movie type of stuff, Um, but I love it. The art is striking, the writing is great. It has interesting little mechanical quirks that are great. Um, I would recommend a game called The Gay Yandere. Um, It's all one word, Gay Yandere. So uh, a Yandere is like an obsessive
1: lover that's what that term means. And, and it's a compound version of- okay. Yes,
3: it's a portmanteau. It's a very striking black and white visual novel. Um, it's so fun. And then I would suggest a game by Alexis Royce that's called The Case of the Serialized Killer. And it is a hand painted watercolor visual novel about a queer couple who have to solve a closed house murder case. And one of them is a pretend psychic. And the other one looks a lot like Roger Ebert. I love them. And um, if you like them, there's another game that stars them in the bundle as well. So it's very charming. It has a cool story. It's very fun. I think that's it for me. I mean, I will just tell you, if you want any recommendations at any point, please just, like, follow the bundle on Twitter or wherever. We're all over the internet this year. Ask me, and I will recommend things to you. So that's a real offer.
1: I, I do, correct me if I'm wrong, but in your social media profile, at least for a while, if not currently, didn't you have a big nerd who likes to help? It's actually big dork that loves to help. And yes,
3: yes, that's my whole, I mean um I'll just say what Taylor said before about like if you see something and you want to do something different you should do it that's really my kind of philosophy about and that's how I got involved in the bundle um because I was like I have these spreadsheet skills and stuff I would love to just
1: like help support this work
3: that's kind of my thing is just to help
1: well, I I hope this also helps uh, our listeners explore Nate, like you said earlier in the podcast, uh, this this curated list from the games bundle, a uh, queer games bundle. Play some some great games, experience new and resonating artwork. We'll talk to you next time on the Gamers of Glasses show.